Welcome to the Who and What She Wants podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Ward, and each week I will be interviewing an inspirational female entrepreneur so that you can take away actionable tools and insights to enable you to build the business of your dreams. Whether you're first starting out building your own business, or if you have entrepreneurial dreams that you don't know how to make a reality, then this podcast is for you. Now let's get into the episode. Today, I'm super excited to welcome the incredible Meg to the show. This incredible, multi-passionate female entrepreneur is a DJ, wedding planner and founder of Elite Events Hire. Today, we're going to deep dive into Meg's entrepreneurial experience and she is going to share with us how her background has helped to define the businesswoman she is today. For anyone wanting to work within the world of DJing, weddings or events, Meg's story will help to inspire you to chase your dreams and your passions. Welcome to the show, Meg. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on today. Oh, thank you for having me. No worries. It's so lovely to have you on. Um, I thought just to kick off the interview, it would be amazing if you could just give us some background into the journey that led you to become a DJ and also the journey that led you to found your company, Elite Events Hire. So DJing has always been a massive part of my life, um, so music as well. So when I was younger, music played a massive role in my life as well. Um, and when I met my now fiance, he was a DJ um, and he basically introduced me into the world of DJing uh, and I learned through him and then I just built it up from there. And then I eventually got my own gigs and I got my own bookings and residencies and that's where it went. That's so cool, though. What was your first event? What was the first event that you got booked for solo? Um, I remember. So I, I had been DJing for free, as you do, for exposure. Um, and I remember getting a call one night saying that the Mulberry in Farnham, which is obviously a really like local pub and bar, um, had a DJ that had dropped out. And could I go and cover in like, I had like half an hour to get down there, get set up. And I'd never, ever been paid to DJ before. And I'd never done anything on my own before. But I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's student night. Like, students don't really care. They're not massively bothered. And it was amazing. And I remember I've still got the video on my phone and the, ha- the whole place was just pumping and jumping. And I remember I, I just couldn't sleep that night because I was so buzzed on it. And they put some cash in my hand at the end of the night. And I was like, yeah, I'm, there's no, I'm not doing this for free anymore. That's so amazing. How did you then transition from kind of accepting those free gigs to then start charging? Did you have to have conversations with people that you'd had sort of free gigs with before and say to them, look, this is now my business rates? Well, yeah, yes, I know, because um, I was I was just tagging along with Craig to his gigs and he was letting me do like an hour to get used to it. Like so it was mainly private gigs and then. The thing is, because I'm a female, it's it's easier to get gigs than it is for male DJs because we're quite rare. We're, mm. Female DJs are quite rare, so people will pay the extra. They'll pay extra to just have you if you're a female. So it was quite easy to then get my own gigs because people want female DJs because, you know, it's, a, it's, you know, unfortunately, it's that sex appeal. They want males to come into the bar, and if there's a female DJ, they are more likely to. That's just the way it goes. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of bars then come forward and I would just give them my rates and it was a yes or a no. But I do, I strongly believe that you should not go lower than what your worth is. So you shouldn't 
be going say if say if a bar came in and offered me a hundred under my rate it's a no because my that is my rate and I do strongly believe in sticking to that just to get not you know I don't think you should go lower to just get a gig yeah I couldn't agree more to be honest it's something I've been that I've had to kind of learn the hard way with my business because I think when you're starting out it can sometimes feel so tempting just to take whatever's offered to you and by all means if there's a gig going with Pete Tong and you have to do an hour for free do it but yeah. if you're doing your local Red Lion for four hours to three, it's just a no. You just, you have to, you have, and, and I think people, you, you think that people will turn you down more, but they actually turn you down less than you think. If you just put out there and you're confident, you say, this is my rate. Most, you know, nine times out of 10, they'll just go, okay, that's fine. Yeah, no, definitely. Did you find that you had to do a lot of outward marketing for yourself when you were starting to book gigs? Or did you find that you were just sort of getting really good word of mouth and referrals and things? Yeah, word of mouth is just everything. Um, I'm, and adding DJs on Facebook and then they'll put a call out. They'll say, um, can anybody cover this tonight? And then you go and you take all the, you know, excuse my French, all the shitty gigs, all the 3am gigs. And eventually they'll know they'll know your name because you've been there, you'll be on their roster and then they'll, you'll get maybe like an 11 o'clock and then you'll get the main slot. So it is, mm. it is a lot of hard work. Don't expect to just get the main sort of gig on the main room. You have to do a lot of 3am back rooms to get to where you want to be. Mm. I love that you said about word of mouth because interestingly, probably about the last five people I've interviewed have all said that that has been their main sort of source of referral income yeah just from word of mouth it's so interesting I feel like there's a lot of pressure nowadays for businesses to feel like they need to have a really heavy presence on social media and all those kind of things but actually the word of mouth kind of is the one that gets the results yeah and I was having this conversation with somebody who um my my daughter's godmother who owns a beauty salon um and she said that she um is always fixated on how many instagram followers she has and she knows that she shouldn't and i said it's the same with me though because it, annoyingly so social media has an algorithm that you have to play ball with so mm-hmm. you are bound by their silly algorithm laws where you have to have followers and they have to engage with your posts and annoyingly if you want to get people to to see you then you have to do it and that's why I always say to people it is free for you to like my photo it's free for you to comment on it please just do it because it means more than you actually booking something that you don't need yeah I couldn't agree more I think that's the key isn't it as well almost like re-educating your followers that they don't have to buy something from you to be able to help out a small business they can actually just engage with your posts and share and things like that exactly Um, and if you go and the thing is as well is for free that you can do for yourself is to go and comment on so I on our elite events hire Instagram we follow a lot of wedding venues I will always comment on there because they'll be like hmm elite events has comment who's elite events and then they'll click on us and they'll be like oh okay maybe we can have a conversation with them about being our recommended supplier or I'll comment on like a wedding dress shop and we'll be like oh that's beautiful blah blah blah. and people brides will see it and be like oh I haven't booked my events let's click on there it's just free Mm. things like that so powerful do you schedule out much time within your week to do sort of activities like that (coughs) sorry no (coughs) I've taken tea down the wrong way I don't because (laughs) I have a two-year-old so it's just as and when it's evenings but I mean there are that we have I have taken social media courses and there are specific times which are better for posting I think it's 9 p.m and 3 p.m it's something like that and then weekends it's different but 
it's it's hard when you've got like a toddler and a dog and a house to sort of look after plus all the admin comes in I'm quite I shouldn't be fixated on it but I am if somebody messages our page or asks for a quote I have to do it within the hour because I, I'm wed- planning my own wedding and when suppliers don't get back to me within a day and I know this is silly I just get a bit annoyed because I'm like I want to know now if you are mm-hmm. in my budget if I want to need to move on to the next person and that's how people think so I always try and get them out so it is just as and when but I think going forward I do need to plan social media more but it is just finding the time yeah definitely it's good though with jobs like that that you can fit it around your life and kind of just squeeze in you know 10 minutes in the evening if you get the time or exactly. however works best I think that's the, the best part with social media I'd love just to find out a little bit more as well about how Elite's event hire was started and kind of like the journey that got you to launch your company as well if that's okay yeah so obviously with both of us being DJs we are in events anyway and the next progression there there, there is a roof that you can hit with DJing my partner is 10 years older than me and in DJing terms that's ancient unfortunately in the DJ same as football you have to be young so he was never going to get gigs in Ibiza me I was I was still at that age but then I had my daughter so now I can't really realistically go and do a residency in Ibiza or Mykonos or all this you know I can't go and do it I can't go up to London and do the 3 a.m's anymore so it was the natural progression to then start doing events and then I did my wedding planning course um and it went from there and we 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 got contacted about 18 months ago by a lady who was selling her event company and it and we started thinking we were like and it was somebody that my fiance knew so we went and had a look and she was selling her event company I mean for three and a half thousand pounds and it came with all the equipment and the contracts in hindsight we didn't use any of the equipment we binned it all because it was just you know like 1970s wedding but we got all the contracts and that that gave and I said my fiance always says to us he's like what did we spend that three and a half grand on like really and I said we spent it on the momentum because we were never ever going to start an events company that gave us the idea and the push and I think for three and a half thousand pound to give you an idea and a push is priceless yeah no definitely I think it's something that can often be overlooked people feel like they would rather just do everything themselves at the beginning but actually when you make sort of sensible and clever investments it can really really pay off yeah um it sounds like it definitely did for your company as well did you rebrand the company when you took it over yeah I think it was called divine hire which I absolutely hated um and then we (laughs) spent some time making elite events hire had you had much experience with branding and things before was it something that you kind of just had to learn yeah so I've worked in marketing on and off throughout my adult life I've worked for Jägermeister I've worked for the mirror um adidas all that kind of thing so it's something that i've always had in me so it it wasn't very hard to do that's yeah that's amazing do you know what i love as well it sounds like even though you're very much a multi-passionate entrepreneur and you've got a lot of different businesses and things going on i love that they kind of complement each other do you feel like they they do complement each other quite well and you kind of use your skills um across the board to help fuel your different businesses yeah it does it it doesn't feel like I've gone from something really different to something different it all flows so I've done I mean I've done loads of different jobs I used to work in marketing and sales for the mirror that's come into it I used to be a website tester and a games tester I've built my own website um I used to do things like um 
what I used to do at, I used to do procurement at Jägermeister so finding new products finding what's new which is exactly what we do now we look at what the new wedding trends are we look at what's coming in for 2022 what's out you know rose gold um eucalyptus things like that so it does all help it doesn't feel like I've gone from something completely you know different to something completely different I've it's all fitted in nicely Mm, I love that it's so amazing as well I can almost see the path of how you went from where you started out in your career to where you are yeah. now um that's amazing have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur yeah I, I hate working for people and I I just I I always I have always said from a from when I first started working when I used to work at, as a you know hair salon sweeper upper in Tony and Guy that I don't ever want to work for somebody for my whole life I want to work for myself because and there's nothing wrong with people that, that do work the nine to five because, you know, sometimes I wish I did work nine to five because I work all hours and I work New Year's Eve and I work our birthdays, our anniversaries, I work it all. But there is something so satisfying about creating something and earning money from something that you have done from your own hands. And again, you can do that nine to five. You can do that working in accounting and all this. But to create something and to see... Just to see a bride walk into a room that you have just decorated and just be speechless, there, there's just nothing, there's nothing that compares to it. And you can't, you can't get that working for somebody else to know that you have created that and you've done that. It, you, there's just, you can't, you can't compare it to anything. Mm, I love that. It's something as well that I really want to, the whole point of this podcast, I just really want to make the idea of starting your own business, especially for female entrepreneurs, as normal as having a nine to five, yeah. because I feel like if anything, having a nine to five is more like the society norm. Yeah. And breaking away from that is, it can be quite difficult. Did you find at all, like with kind of mindset and things, did you find that you have to, sh you had to shift your mindset when you decided to really go for it and, you know, start your own company and leave the safety of the nine to five? I have always had a self-employed mindset, which probably it explains why I've never lasted in a nine to five. I've always wanted to do my own thing and have my own ideas and corporate doesn't like that. Mm. It's so interesting because it's a mindset. It sounds like for you, it does come quite naturally and it's something that almost you've had all along, um, which I absolutely love. Did you, do you kind of have any mentors or is there anyone that you followed throughout your career that's helped to inspire you to want to have your own business? So I, yeah, I have, I have had that mentality my whole life. When I was nine, I started a petition in my school to because I thought that it was unfair that boys got to wear trousers and girls didn't because in our school they you had to wear a skirt or a dress and I said it's not good enough like we and I was nine and I got excluded for a day and my mum just was so proud of me and then in year you know whatever it was year I did it again in year 15 and then I really did get excluded because I just stood up for what girls should be wearing and things like that um but there, there, there are loads of people that you can follow, like good mentors. One of them is Sarah Aquasombi, who I actually do some work for. Um, again, I do like on while while I'm trying to get my events company going, and while there's not a lot of work at the moment, I'm doing some procurement for her, finding products. She's a great person to follow because she she is really about. She runs the Noble Business School, and she's really about empowering women, employing women getting women to talk about money, getting to talk about wages. Um, and she is a great person. If you are thinking about get starting a business or you're hesitant, just follow her and she will just give you everything you need to just start it. 
Oh, thank you so much. I'll put her links yeah. as well in the show notes so that people can check her out as well. That'll be amazing. Yeah. Um, it's so good, isn't it, to have someone that you can kind of look up to and obviously see us someone that has been there, done that, and knows what they're talking about. Um, do you find that sometimes being an entrepreneur can feel like quite a lonely life versus the nine to five? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we I run my the business with my fiance and he but the thing is he doesn't do all the admin that that's kind of my role is to do all the quoting the admin and all the decor he he mainly does sort of you know the heavy lifting and all putting all the DJing he's a DJ as well he does all that so it is quite lonely when I'm trying to think of I've got one maybe two friends that are self-employed everyone else is a nine to five sort of role so it, it does get a little bit lonely, but there's so there's a massive community of events people that you can you can join groups and forums. So there are ways of you know, and I you know we don't get a Christmas party, but that's fine because you know I take a, quite a lot of holiday every year when I can. That's a, that's a lot of people don't see that they say. But some people say to me, you know, you took you know six six um, holidays last year. And I'm like, yeah, but I worked New Year's Eve. I worked New Year's Day. I worked. Christmas Eve I didn't see my daughter go to bed on Christmas Eve and people don't see that so Mm. I think that's the reality of it isn't it I think sometimes also as well there is this new culture of like being an entrepreneur that I've noticed crop up quite a lot on social media and almost making it look super glamorous and it's the funny thing is I never see anyone showing their behind the scenes of those things like you say like working New Year's Eve and not being able to put your daughter to bed on um, Christmas Eve things like that like it's funny because I feel like people almost shine a light on the glossy parts like the holidays and things like that but not so much on the reality and like the nitty gritty of it exactly and a lot of people think that being a DJ is a glamorous lifestyle but it, it isn't like you are stuck behind a DJ booth where everyone else is drunk and you're not and they are all you know what people get like when they're drunk it's a lot to deal with um you've I've had death threats I've had people follow me to my car you get it all the time like it's not just a unless you are unless you're David Guetta or you're Hannah Wants it, it's it's not as glamorous as people think it's great like it's it's great fun especially when you're standing up in front of a student union and it's it's fully packed and everything um but there are times where you're playing to a room with one person and you sit and you think why am I doing this Mm, I could imagine it's definitely like there is the other side of the coin as such as well. Um, what would you recommend to someone who was wanting to start out a career as a DJ if they were to get started now? Do, do it, yeah. I mean, you've got so much time to practice in your bedroom. There's nothing wrong with being a bedroom DJ. I was a bedroom DJ until I got my first gig. But that half of it is knowing your way around uh, the decks and half of it is your music knowledge. So the easy part is to work out how your equipment works. You have to have music knowledge. You have to know what songs go into what songs at what tempo. You have to know what songs work with what mood. You have to know, you know, what what goes into what. It, it's, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of time and a lot of trial and error. So just because you have figured out how to use your equipment and your decks, whatever you choose to use, controllers, you need to have spend some time working on your music knowledge and your genres and you have to kind of be very adaptable and um, a lot of people are very different so a lot of people so I had this argument with my fiance he said Craig David is um is R&B and I said no he's not he's garage and he was like no he's not he's R&B but and you have to have that sort of knowledge of what people expect of you so if you're paying someone to DJ your party or your wedding 
you need to be on your top form because they are paying for your service. So it's all very well, you know, buying yourself some decks, buying yourself and having a go. You need to have, spend some time on your music knowledge as well. But it's so doable, like it's and it's so much fun. So do it if you're going to do it. Now is the perfect time to do it. Mm. It's funny, isn't it, this year? Because it's actually, although the well, the past year, but although there's been a lot of negatives to it, there is also it's weirdly given us all a bit the gift of time to actually start focusing on things that we might have wanted to do in the past but haven't spent any time exactly. on. Have you found that you've had to adapt quite a lot, obviously, with the past year, obviously working in events? Yeah, I mean, we we did not work a single day of 2020. Like we haven't, we did not work a single day. So. It got to like December and I was just said to my fiance, we have to try and do something to adapt. Um, and we, we're quite fortunate in the fact that our parents have got money. So we, we took out a business loan and we bought we bought everything that we needed to buy for the company um, so that when we are allowed to start back up, we're not starting from square one again. We are ready to go with all our new products. Um, so we're not set back a year. Um, and then that's mm. when we started doing lockdown birthdays, you know, TPs in the garden just for your family and your bubble. And we've had to adapt that way. I mean, and I love doing it, but I'm praying it's not a permanent thing. I want to get back to proper events. But yeah, I do love doing that. The little like we've got we've got one this weekend, two next weekend. So it's getting us ticking over. Yeah, that's so great that you've managed to find a way to pivot and that obviously you've been able to use the time as well to actually invest in your business so that as and when the world's back to normal, you can just get going with hitting the ground. Yeah, running. and the worst thing you um, can do is stand still while the world stands still, because if you if you did that and then you started back up when when the world started back up, you're you're a year behind. So you might as well spend this time doing even if you don't have money or business loans you can do lots of free things you can do photo shoots you can do um marketing social media um you know contacting people quoting people putting ads out yeah i love that i think that's the way to do it i think it's just i think for me as well in the past year i don't know if you'd agree but it's been more about mindset and just kind of keeping as positive as possible and not getting too overwhelmed with like what's going on in the world because at the end of the day we can't control that as business owners we can only control our exactly. business so it's kind of finding ways to pivot and find um you know new avenues that we could look to go down do you think that the events world is going to be changed quite heavily sort of even when things are lifted do you think people are going to be more open to more intimate events maybe like in their homes that you can come and run versus at a venue? I think they will and I have no no shade on anyone that wants to do an intimate wedding but I'm not here for them I'm not I just people that people that have intimate weddings do not want DJs and they don't want photo booths and they don't so intimate weddings and that's and that's what you want to do then that's absolutely fine because everyone's wedding is just completely their own choice but for us as an events industry they're not helping anything so I'm hoping that people do get back to you know normal weddings I can imagine that wedding planning and coordination can be just a really stressful role at times what tips do you have for working well under pressure I think that um what really helps is if you have a really great um, relationship with the client that you're working with. So there's nothing more stressful than planning a wedding and you you maybe don't really know what the client wants, but you don't want to ask them. It's the kind of thing where you've asked them so many times and they're not being massively helpful. But having a really great relationship with the client is really key so that you can have open relationships, open conversations, you know, talk to them via WhatsApp at any time. 
um, that really, really helped. And also having a great relationship with your suppliers as well will really help you because they'll help you out with discounts. They'll squeeze you in. They'll they'll do they'll bend over backwards for you if you have a great supplier list. Mm. Do you have any sort of good tips on how to cultivate good relationships with clients and suppliers? I and personally, my approach is to just be honest and open. I really hate these sort of cheesy, fake, you know commercially like well hi blah 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 but if you are really really honest and open you say hi my name's Meg you know you have an honest conversation like because you are a person at the end of the day the same as them they are a person as well and they'll relate to conversations like that so if you go and speak to your suppliers and you speak to your clients as if you would speak to like your best friend then I think that's kind of key because I found the same when I was wedding planning I had a lot of suppliers sort of give me send me just generic emails emails that they had obviously sent to everyone every single email that I send is different I write it by hand I don't have a template I because because every wedding and every client is different so I don't have a template that I copy and paste I write every single word from scratch and I personalize it to them and I think when I had clients uh, when I had suppliers email me about my wedding that I knew instantly when when an email was pre you know copied and pasted and I was like no next yeah I love that I think that's so key and I think actually taking the time to do that people really appreciate it as well because in this modern world I think everyone gets a little bit too automation happy and just sends yeah. a load of stuff that's so yeah. generic and you can just smell it a exactly. mile off from a client perspective like you you know so I think that definitely is such a great tip and a great takeaway for everyone listening um to be able to adopt that within their own yeah. businesses what does a typical working day look like for you well it, as I said every wedding is different so it might be that we have um on a Saturday morning, we have two weddings to set up. One is literally chair covers and sashes. One is the whole the whole lot. Every single wedding is just so different. And that's why it's so important to be flexible. Um, on like a normal day, it would just be admin throughout the day on a weekday. And then a weekend, it would be um, possibly an event Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It, again, it's just, it's quite a hard question to answer because every week is so different. Um, we don't normally take on more than three weddings in a day because I like to do quality control. I like to be at each of them, um, but sometimes that's not possible. Um, so we don't, I don't like to take on more than three. When we grow our staff, we'll be taking on, you know, events left, right and centre. Yeah, is that, do you have any staff working for you at the moment or is it you and your Yeah, we do. do. We've everything. got two Saturday girls that we have work for us. Oh, okay. I, how do you, do you find like kind of taking the leap when you hired, made your first hire? Because I know that's something that can be so overwhelming when you start a business, like making that first I've hire. I've always wanted to do that. I've always people. wanted to sort of employ people and hardworking people as well. I've always wanted to give people chances and employ people and, and especially young girls, you know, to try and help them get on the ladder and things like that. So one of them actually approached us because um, she saw that we were an events company, she wanted to work in events, and I said, yes, that's fine. Um, and the other one, we approached her because she was a family friend and she wanted to get into DJing. So I gave her some DJing lessons, and then I just asked if she'd wanted to, you know, earn some money and work at the same time. 
that's so amazing it's so great that you're so willing and open to share like your knowledge and skills with people as well because it can be so difficult trying to get your first foot on the ladder so um I absolutely love that you've done that as well that's such a great thing to be able to give back um I know that obviously an area that can be really difficult for entrepreneurs to manage is kind of like work-life balance I know you've mentioned you've obviously got your daughter and things how do you kind of manage that and what are the challenges around that and how do you overcome so I have to rely heavily on sort of um family to sort of you know help out we have we're quite lucky in both that both Fleur's grandparents um, grandmas are around at the weekends we rely heavily on them and we rely on each other to sort of so we always say that not both of us can be working at the same time which is quite obvious anyway but it's in the sense that if we have like an email or to be on our phones the other has to have Fleur and be not on phones and not on things like that and I think that's quite important that she always has one parent present um and you know actively engaged in her while the other it's not always possible because his phone will be going off about a dj and my phone will be going off about a client who wants something so it is quite hard but i do try and sort of stick to like you know if she's happy doing an activity for an hour i can just crack on with a bit of work yeah and how do you and your partner your fiance split your like your roles do you kind of take on different areas of the business or do you just both do all of it as yeah so I you're do, needed I to do all of the admin all of the quoting all of the confirmations all of the social media marketing it, it sounds bad he's not just the muscles but he is really like he's a dj so he'll do all of the djing he'll he, he does every single djing that we quote for because i i don't dj weddings i i won't do it um and he does um he he's recently bought loads of games tables so you know pool tables and air hockey and things like that so that's more his forte even though I'll book them in that's the one area where I'm like oh sorry how big is that again how big is it what how does it work blah blah blah. I'll always be asking him that but everything else decor wise is kind of my area we both co-own it but it's I wouldn't really expect him to set up you know chairs and sashes and centerpieces Mm. it's so great that you sound like you complement each other really well with your skill sets and like you balance each other out really well which is um kind of all you can yeah, ask exactly. in a business relationship exactly. as well isn't it so that's amazing um this is always quite an exciting question so where do you see your business in five years time what are your goals for the so future? in five years time i want to own a wedding venue i want to own a barn a, a wedding barn in the uk and then in the next five years, I want to have own a wedding venue in France. So we want to have one in England and a chateau in France where we can run destination weddings. And then eventually I want another barn, another chateau, and I want one in Ibiza as well. So I want five in total. And we've done a roadmap for it. And, and we want to expand to do the entire of the south of the UK and have hubs in southwest and down by the coast and London. We don't tend to do a lot of London because London is such a pain in the arse to get into if you don't live there um even doing djing there it's just a pain to just drive into so we tend not to do london and the market is saturated in london um but eventually i mean i'm not too fussed about cracking london but it would be nice to have some presence there but the aim in five years is to have a wedding venue I love that. I love as well how crystal clear you are in your goals because I think sometimes that's what can trip us up when we're not crystal clear on what we want and you're almost like floundering in a direction yeah. you're not sure quite what direction. So I love that you've built out a roadmap as well. Did you have a template for how to do things like a roadmap or is that just something that you've learned how to do? On yeah, the job it's just something thing? that you learn how to do and you learn as you go. Um, if something doesn't work, you have to try something else and that is just how 
how it goes. Um, some things work, some things don't, and then you just move on and you just work around it. But there's not, mm. annoyingly, there's not like a specific way of doing it. You just have to try and try and try and then try different things. I love that. I think that's such a great takeaway as well for anyone listening, no matter what industry they work in, that you just have to keep going and just keep trying and eventually you will get there. But you just have to like get around all the roadblocks and not get too tripped up by them, I think. Is yeah, the key. I mean, have your goals. Don't don't be afraid to change your goals. So if don't don't be so fixated on something that you you in the end end up not seeing what you originally had planned. So if you had if you have a goal of say having a wedding venue in five years and then you end up falling out of love with that goal just change it I mean people get so fixated they said I'm gonna do I said I was gonna do it so I'm going to do it you don't don't put yourself in that position because you'll just end up cutting your nose off to smite your face yeah I completely agree and also life is fluid and flexible just go and with it circumstances yeah, can change just go with so, it. Just yeah. okay. if you have to change it change it nobody cares yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I thought we would have finished this interview with a question that I just like to ask all of my guests. So firstly, what advice would you give to all of the incredible women out there who want to start their own businesses, but just like a little bit afraid to get started? Just do it. Just do it. Even if you're scared to do it, that's what will drive you. The magic is in you. It will. If you have some a goal and you have think, been thinking about it, then the magic is already in you. So you can do it. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that, like I mentioned before, Sarah Akrasombi, she's such a great person to follow because she will make you believe that you can do it because you can do it, not creating a false sense of belief. It's because you can do it. And it is so much better to get to 85, 89 and regret things that you have done than to regret things that you haven't done because you'll always wonder what would have happened. So what if it doesn't work? Move on. I've had so many jobs where I've been like nope not for me move on next okay don't like this path move on next I wanted to be a t-shirt designer it didn't work out I couldn't you know it didn't work out moved on next and then I came into like DJing and events and I've moved it on from there couldn't get a residency in Ibiza move on next I'm got right I'm going to own this events company something will work for you it's not gonna be like you will flounder forever in a sea of just nothingness you will find your goal and you will do it even if you have to change you know, your path a little bit, but if you have the right drive and the right momentum, then you're already halfway there. Yep, I could not agree with you more. I think that's so, that's, you said it so well as well. Like, if you're in doubt, just listen to that and hopefully that will give you the push that you need just to believe in it's yourself. It's already in you, inside. Like, you can already do it. It's not something that you can buy. You can already do it. If you've got a dream, you, you can, you can do it. Oh, I absolutely love that. It really resonates well with the message that I want to get across with the podcast as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, my last question of the interview. So what does being a female entrepreneur mean to it you? It means everything, really. It means that I'm a role model for my daughter and my daughter's daughter and, you know, my nieces. And, you know, it means that there is somebody in their lives that is doing something for 
females and the female kind and that's all I can hope to do is to inspire you know Fleur and her friends and then her if she chooses to have children or not. Um, Thank you so much Meg for taking the time to chat with me today I really really appreciate it I think everything you've shared will just be so helpful to the listeners. Um, you can you can follow Elite Events Higher on their inspiring journey over on Instagram the handle is at Elite Events underscore Higher I will pop all of the links in the show notes below but thank you so much Meg I really really That's appreciate okay. your Thanks time today. Me. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to keep up to date with the latest Who and What She Wants podcast episodes, then please follow our Instagram page, which is at the handle at Who and What She Wants podcast, or hit the subscribe button now. We hope to see you again soon.